Well, we take that, we take that term Christian so lightly and, and the difference that Jesus Christ can make in a life. And I would just challenge you this morning to consider if you look inwardly and you look at your own life, um, what, what significant difference has Jesus Christ made? And I know that as believers, we're like, you know, well, you know, he saved me and I get to go to heaven and, and, uh, and all of that. But I, I feel like if you were to make a case for somebody else to trust Christ and the difference that he makes, what compelling evidence would there be from your life? Like, let me tell you, let me tell you the difference Christ has made in my life. I mean, it's not enough just to say that I'm a really good person and, you know, I go to church and there's just great family and they got nice music and they're the best speaker I've ever heard. All right, maybe it's, uh, yeah. Oh, shucks. <laughs> but it's like, you know, if, if, if you were to make a case from your own life about the difference that Jesus, what, what compelling evidence is there? That Jesus Christ affected my behavior like this, and Jesus Christ changed my life inwardly, and I no longer do this, or now I'm doing this, and it's a real thing. Because like this term that we use so lightly, yes, I'm a Christian, it's a nice box that we get to check that say, yes, that's my religious preference. But are we Christ-like? Are we little Jesuses? Are we being like him? Because we didn't give that name to ourselves. That was, that was the early church. They, they, uh, the, the, the unbelievers, the Gentiles, looked at how they behaved and the teachings that they had. They said, those are little Christ. Those are Christians. And it was because of their behavior and the change of life, and that's what we are needing to see in our own lives. And Jesus Christ gave us such a great example. And as we kind of swing this service a little bit over, there's this incredible story that I was reading this week in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, and, and Jesus Christ just gave this, this uh, prediction about what was about to happen. And he kind of gathers his friends together, his disciples, and, they, and the Bible says they actually kind of turn to go to Jerusalem. And obviously, this is the end of the book of Matthew, and you're, you're, what's about to happen now is his three years of ministry on earth is over. He's now reached the, the end of his life, and he knows what's about to happen. And he looks at his disciples as they turn to go to Jerusalem. He looks at his disciples, and he says, he says we're going to go to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, me, I'm going to be betrayed turned over to the authorities, and the Bible actually says, I'm going to be scourged and crucified. He even knew how he was going to die. And if you can imagine the impact that he hoped that that would have on his friends. And then here comes the mother of two of the disciples and says, Okay, so now, Jesus, when your kingdom gets started, would it be okay if one of my sons sit on your right hand and one of, your son, one of my sons sit on your left hand? It's like, Jesus, I, didn't you just hear what I was going to say? I mean, what's going to happen to me? What I just said is going to happen to me. I'm going to be crucified. And so then what he does, he goes through and very patiently says, I don't think you know what you're asking because my kingdom doesn't look anything like that. 
In my kingdom, the first shall be last, the last shall be first, the greatest is the servant of all. And that's kind of where we pick up here. And I threw a couple of the verses up on the screen here for you. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 and 28, Jesus is describing to them what this kingdom of God really looks like. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be the Son of Man. This is Jesus Christ. I came, is what he's saying, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said, I just told you what's about to happen to me. You're interested in where you're, you're jockeying for position in the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you how you become great in the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Minister. I I, I would encourage you when you have a moment to to read Philippians chapter 2. What a great passage about Christ, the Son of God, humbling himself and coming to earth. And so here Jesus is saying, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And I love this word minister. It is, it's one of those words that, that gets used a lot in Scripture and has a lot of variations of meaning. But the word ministry is the word diakoneo. It's pretty good, wasn't it? Just rolled right off my tongue there. It's like I practiced that a lot yesterday. But it means to serve, to prepare. I love this, to wait on. You know, like, may I take your order? I mean, to wait on, just, you need anything, let me get this for you. To supply, like maybe that's your job, maybe you're just the supplier, like you're just getting the stuff um, to attend to the needs of others. So Jesus Christ, let me just explain what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God does not look like, oh, well, I have a position. The kingdom of God is, how can I help? The kingdom of God is what do you need and how can I meet that need? That's what the kingdom of God looks like. And that is what this kingdom life that we are trying to live as believers should look like. Jesus Christ, he knows that we are naturally selfish people. So it wasn't like he was taken aback by the the disciples, right? He knows we're naturally selfish people. You don't have to teach a kid to be selfish. They just naturally want the truck that their brother has. It's like there could be 50 of them in a basket over here, but they want the one that he has. We are just naturally that way. When I was going to date myself, right? But when, when we were growing up in the 70s, McDonald's had the Big Mac. I know they still do. So they have this Big Mac, and they came out with this commercial. And it's like, when you go to Big Mac, you know what you're getting. Two all-beef patties. Special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> so that is what you're getting. And like, as, a, as, a, as an elementary kid, if you could say that whole thing, you were cool. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. 
I mean, it was just, you know, it kind of rolled off your tongue. But when you went to McDonald's, you knew what you were getting. I'm going to get me a Big Mac. Well, what's a Big Mac? I'll tell you what a Big Mac is. It's two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. All right? And then Burger King comes out with their own commercial. All right? Have it your way. Have it your way. At Burger King, have it your way. All right? Special orders don't upset us. Right? So now you get to go to Burger King and have anything you want. So I've been watching, like, retro Burger King commercials this week. It is awesome. They have so many versions, and I get paid to do this. That's what's awesome. They, they have so many versions of this commercial. They have, like, a jazz version that I don't understand because <laughs> I don't understand jazz. But then, like, they have um, they had a soul version where they had, like, the Supremes behind the counter. Hold the pickle, hold the leather. <laughs> And the guy that's placing your order is going, yeah, baby. It just, it's all, just, just YouTube it. It's so much fun. They have, anyway, so I'm having too much fun. But this, this idea of having it your way, I think just kind of, and I'm not blaming Burger King, but I think what it showed was as a society, we are becoming consumers. And we have become a consumerist society that just, believes that everything ought to be our way. I hate to break it to you, but the customer's not always right. Okay, it just, and if you're in retail, you know that's true. But we have that attitude like, well, I mean, I'm paying the dollar for this burger on the dollar menu. I ought to be able to get a medium rare if I want to and three onions and you know, we just have, we, we've kind of developed this mindset. And unfortunately, I think it's actually infiltrated Christianity. It's infiltrated our churches. This consumerist mindset has infiltrated our churches. Do you know that church shopping is actually a thing? I Googled it. There are actually church shopping articles out there. Now, I'm okay with, like, wanting to make sure that they believe what you believe and, and, and maybe they have something for your kids and all of that. I get that. But what, what, what bothers me a little bit, some of them are like, <laughs> the people who are so worried about what the church has ain't going to do nothing when they get there. It's like they, bend, they want you to bend over backwards to make the church what they're looking for, but then they're not going to do anything to help get it to where it needs to be. Because we're a consumerist society. We ought to be able to have our checklist and then just sit there and sit and soak and sour. But the church is not a babysitting service for believers. We are a place where we become fed and where we get mobilized to do something for Jesus and for his kingdom. If we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to say we're Christians, let's see exactly how that affects us and see if we can imitate our incredible leader and become who he was and minister the way that he did. And rather than coming to church and enjoying the buffet, how about let's participate? Because I hate to say it, you know, 
I've kind of come to a place in life where I just know that I simply can't make everybody happy. And we can't provide every program you're looking for. And that was a wonderful day for me. Because if you know who I am, I'm a people pleaser. And I want everyone to be happy. And I want everyone to love everything. But it's just not possible because even if we did, you would invent something just to drive me crazy. (laughs) Even if you didn't want it and weren't going to come and weren't going to participate or give to make it happen. Right? That's just, it's just how we are as a society. And I'm guilty too. But here's the truth. Here's a couple points here. You're glad there's at least a point to my sermon, right? We are not created to just be spiritual consumers. Now, I added that word just on purpose because there is consumption that takes place as a believer. You come to church and you enjoy what you hear and you get pumped up and you enjoy the music and I am for that 100%. That's why we do what we do. But we are not created just to be spiritual consumers. We were created to be spiritual contributors. And so it's not just enough to come and enjoy. There is so much more to it. It is to come and do and to minister and to wait on and to supply and to meet the needs of others. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That was kind of a rhetorical question, wasn't it? So I, I thought this was awesome. I got this from somebody right here, right? It's, it's, the, uh, it's a consumer contributor scale. So what I'd like you to do is, <laughs> don't do it if you're, gonna, if you're sitting next to somebody who knows you're really good. I wouldn't circle a number. Because you're going to think a lot more of yourself than they probably do. So it's like, like if you're Jesus, you're number 10. All right, if, if, you, if, if you are Jesus, so I would say anything nine and below is open for games. So like if you come to church here and you are, and you enjoy, you grab some snacks, you like the coffee, and uh, you come and sit down and you think the band's pretty good, and they could have tweaked that a little bit. And I don't know who made the coffee, but I really wish they had this kind of creamer, you know, and... I had to park like four rows out. It'd be nice if, you know, somebody had a special place for me close to the building. You would be a two. (laughs) All right? You're you're probably not like even a five. You're just, so like you just are a consumer. And and we got to have you here. We love having you here. And we, and I mean that with all my heart. But what I would really encourage you this morning is, is maybe I can move from being a two to a three, right? Maybe, or maybe, maybe a five. And I don't know, I don't know where you fall on that scale, but I, I, I got tickled with it when I found it. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to like throw it out there because it's like, it, it really is kind of identifying where we are in the consumer contributor mindset here. And uh, now, now listen, we have got some incredibly beautiful people that sacrifice. They get here early. They make the coffee. They get stuff out. They hand out bulletins. They do stuff through the week. They lead community groups. I mean, they are who makes all of this work. And I, I just am so amazed by this church family. But we could all be better. 
And I think that there are a lot of folks that, that honestly are good people, and I love them to death, but sometimes we just don't, we, our brain's not in gear, right? It's like we don't understand that, that this whole thing just doesn't happen. There is an army of people who contribute and make it happen. Now, I don't think you should just contribute either. Because you need to be fed. You need the fellowship. You need to, you need to consume. But I think if we're going to follow Jesus and his example and use his life of ministry and service as an example, and he was the son of God, and he said he came here specifically to minister, not to be ministered unto. So I guess like this would be minister and this would be ministered unto, right? So Jesus is saying, I came to minister, not to be ministered unto. So, so what I'd like to do is kind of just give you two things here to kind of put a, put a peg in the wall. This is, this is where we need to go. First of all, I believe this, that God has called us to serve in his church. I think that if you're part of a body of believers, consuming and enjoying the service and all of that, that's part of it. But I also think that we are called to serve in his church because God never intended the church to be a building. God intended the church to be a family, a body. And if this, this structure was never here, we'd be okay. We'd come to your house. But that's kind of how the original church started. So where did this whole idea of, of it becoming like a building and a church, like I'm going to go to church, like it's a place. It all started, I think, like when uh, there was a Roman emperor, Constantine, who legalized religion. And we won't get into all of that, but he legalized Christianity. And prior to that, the church was illegal. And so they, they hid. They were in hiding. And so he makes it legal. In fact, he made it the state religion. And so now we're able to meet out in the open, and now we start to meet publicly, and we actually can purchase, and we buy a building, and now we are a church that meets in a building, and it becomes identified as a church. Now, I got no problem with you saying, hey, you're going to church tomorrow, or, you know, I'll meet you at the church. I get what you're saying, but please, in the back of your mind, always know that this building is not the church. This building is a bunch of metal and concrete that doesn't mean nothing and do nothing for nobody. You are the church. And when you serve in the church, you're not meeting the needs of this building. You're meeting the needs of the person sitting with you and the folks who come here to consume. But the church was never supposed to be about a building, so much so that I think God has (laughs) uniquely gifted you and qualified you to meet the needs of this particular congregation. Now, that's what's exciting to me. So whatever our needs are, God led you here to be part of the solution, not just to identify the problem. And I don't know that it's like true for every circumstance, but I love this phrase. A need seen is an assignment given. Like if you see something, maybe you saw it because God wants you to fill it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that that's a 100% thing, but it sure should get you to thinking. A need seen is an assignment given. So, so God brought you here and has gifted you as a believer uniquely. Now, what does that need to look like for this local church? 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, Paul is writing to the church of Rome. And in this passage that we're going to read here, you get the sense that he already assumes that they know that they are gifted and that they are to be using that gift for the benefit of the local congregation. He says this, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. He's saying, here's how you do all the stuff that you are supposed to be doing, but what I'm trying to bring across here is that he is assuming that they understand that we are gifted to do something. That we're here for a reason. We're supposed to contribute and serve in his church. And then lastly, God called us to serve. I love this. Oh, I love this. As his church in this world. Now, some of you aren't going to get a charge out of passing out bulletins. I feel you. Some of you aren't going to get super excited about baking cookies or making coffee or changing diapers. I get it, but what can you do to affect change in this world, in your community? Like, how can you empower, being a part of this ministry, how could you empower us to make a significant impact on the lives of individuals who don't even come to church here? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, we just bless somebody because that's why we're here. And I don't know what that looks like, but I believe this. Just as you are uniquely gifted to bless and meet the needs of a local church, (laughs) this is so exciting. How are you uniquely gifted to meet the needs of your community? And when I say community, that's a big, broad word. I mean, like, where you work, where you live, like your neighborhood, God has placed you there, and that is someplace where he hasn't placed me. And so I don't know what that needs to look like for you. If it's a backyard picnic or if it's, you know, snow blowing somebody's driveway or or whatever, how has God called you based on what your gifting is as the, because, and I don't mean, so, so as I say, God called us to serve as a church. I don't mean it's like, all right, let's pick up the Greyhound buses and everyone jump on board and let's go down and pick up trash. That's not what I'm talking about. You're the church. You are the church. Where you live, the church is there. Where you work, the church is there. So God has called you as a church where you are and where you live, to bless that world that you live in. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that means. But I do know this. Like the first week we started this series, we said this about Moses at 80 years of age, being called to go take the people of Israel out of of bondage. God said, start where you are, right? Use what you have. Do what you can do. But I love this passage of Scripture right here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candle. God bless you. God bless you again. But on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all them that are in the house. There are some people who just can't 
Sneeze quiet. It's all right. <laughs> Melissa, when she sneezes, she always does this little whoop at the end of it. She's like, achoo. <laughs> it's the most awesome thing. Sometimes I toot when I sneeze. It's just, it's like, <laughs> it just happens, all right? So we're all a great big family here. I'm cutting that out of the tape. All right. <laughs> Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And then with you, glorify your Father which is in heaven. Man, there's something different about that guy. Man, Jesus is making a difference in his life. That's probably not how they're going to say it. But they're going to say, you know, I know he goes to church. You know, I mean, I know, and he just is such a nice guy. And he does really nice, I mean, I don't, really, I don't know. But we're not even asking the question. God has uniquely gifted you and called you to serve in his church, but he's also called you to serve as his church in the world. Now, that may be mobilizing us to go hand out water at the parade, or it may be mobilizing us to rebuild somebody's porch or put a ramp on somebody's house. And I would be excited if you knew somebody that we could bless that way because we got folks in this church that are looking for opportunities like that. But if God plants the seed in your mind, look for a way that you can fill it because God told Moses, start where you are, use what you can and do what you can do. And those little resolutions you make, they become a revolution because you're changing how you see the world and how you see why you're in the world. Let me make this quick clarification. The good works that we do that he mentions right there, they don't have anything to do with you getting saved. It has everything to do with showing that you're saved. So what I said was we are not saved by our good works. We are saved to good works. So the fact that you are a believer, the fact that Jesus Christ is in your life, there, it, creates, it creates this impetus. It creates this, this desire to, to be the church in this world, to, to like, man, Jesus has made a difference in my life. Look, here it is. So it's unto good works. We've been given too much, and we've come too far to not give back. I don't know what that means for you, but friends, listen. <laughs> there ought to be something stirring in your heart right now, like, man, there's got to be a way that I can get involved here. There's got to be a way that I can affect my community. There's got to be, be a way that I can, I can use who I am, what I have, and what I can do for the kingdom of God. Be a contributor. <laughs> maybe, maybe move up a notch and become a four. Five? I don't know where y'all. But listen, people, God loves you and He's excited about your relationship and He wants to use you and become a part of your life and help empower you for the giftings He's already given you to make this happen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we are excited about whatever's gonna happen. <laughs> we don't even know what that is, but but I believe that you have purposed that we should be the church in our own world. 
And I pray, Father, that you would help us to fulfill whatever that purpose is. In Jesus' name, amen.